0: Are there nerds here tonight, nerds?
1: You are a part of the lucky 10,000 with your hosts,
0: Evan. They all adore it. They think he's a righteous dude. And Carissa, not hot in spite of being a geek, but because of it. Being a nerd,
1: it's not about what you love. It's about how you love it. Hey guys. Hey everybody. This is Evan,
0: and I'm Carissa,
1: and we are the Lucky Ten Thousand, the podcast that gets you luckier than Chucky at an atomically correct Barbie store. Nice. Thanks. And that was just our way, also, of saying uh, goodbye to Halloween. Oh, it's really sad every year. So we figured we'd extend the uh, the celebration by at least a week. By having our truly final October ish type podcast, (laughs) by doing something a little bit more traditional. If you've been following the show, you know that our episodes in October were refreshingly untraditional. True. But now we're going to get into, uh, as a way of saying goodbye to the season of The Witch, we're going to have some personal discussions. About weird or strange things that have happened to us, now I would like to to preface this by saying neither of us are saying the stories we're about to tell are for sure ghosts or supernatural. I personally, the older I get, am more skeptical. Sure. But it's still fun to talk about.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: There's always that what-if factor, and who doesn't love a good spooky story around the campfire?
0: I just so like one... stuff like that because, you know, the world is a large and mysterious place.
1: Absolutely. And there's and... still so many things that could be going on that we don't understand. I mean, if if you haven't read the article about the uh, city that appeared over China uh, a week, maybe two weeks ago, it's a fascinating article. The picture is so freaky, and, you know, a lot of uh, meteorologists and physicists uh, attributed to just one of those strange, rare uh, atmospheric occurrences that just happens in pictures to look like a city. Right. But there's also people that are like, what if we're getting a glimpse at an alternate universe? And again, the science is probably right, but it's also a great spark to your imagination to think, but what if?
0: And plus, it's just, I mean, to be super confident that we know everything there is to know, I think is just the height of arrogance. So Absolutely. trusting in science is great, and I'm a big fan of that. But also, I mean, real scientists also open. know that they don't know everything. That's why there's still science.
1: And a good scientist will tell you that they don't know everything, yep. and that there are, and you know, there are things that we would consider supernatural that are actually pretty fervently believed as at least strong theory in the scientific community, i.e., alternate universes. So. There's so many things about this world and the way it works that we don't understand. You never know. A ghost could be a glimpse at another universe. Who knows? But before we get into the specifics, I just want to give a quick shout-out and a thank you to Tangent Bound Podcast and Musings of a Geek Podcast Networks for having us on. Check us out there and also all their other wonderful shows. And also don't forget that we are on the Bearded Pods network
0: yay yay
1: so i'm gonna since i've been talking so much let you lead off um some of these we may have told each other before some of these we may not know so uh carissa tell me something
0: okay so you know how my memory is really crap uh yeah if you um remember me telling you about stuff that's happened that i forget to say Let me know so that I can remember what I'm forgetting.
1: Well, uh, okay, sure.
0: Because my life has been pretty banal on the whole. Not a whole lot of weirdness has happened to me. Sure. Or around me. So my major, this this is a super weird thing that happened to me thing, is actually my mom. Oh, okay. My mom and I together. The other two things that i have is like a little thing about me that is kind of shared by about they say about 10 percent of the population cool one about z one about k cool and those things happen around me so what do you i want to save my mom for maybe later or last uh, awesome because it's pretty cool i can't wait uh, yeah so, i definitely
1: want to take a best for last approach
0: okay so for me like the one that i have is that apparently about 10 and some people say as many as 50 percent of the population at large has this phenomena occur around them or to them? Okay. I have minor precognitive dreams. Cool. Which lots of people have, apparently. Lots um, of people
1: have it probably more than know it because it's so unusual for us to remember our dreams specifically once we've been awake for a while.
0: Right. But the way know, there it, are
1: a lot of people that use that to explain deja vu.
0: Yes, exactly. I, I have to differentiate it between, or you know, from deja vu and like actual precognition because. Right. When I have whatever dream it is that I'm having and I wake up, I don't remember it. Right. And minor, and I I mean minor, they are, you know, 12 seconds out of a random Tuesday three years from now. Right. It's n- And I'll wake up and not remember that, but then it will happen, whatever it was. And it won't be like, oh, I've done this before. It'll be... I remember dreaming. I specifically remember dreaming this, and it happens the way it happened in the dream. And then it becomes kind of like a living, lucid dream because I'm constantly trying to do things that I didn't do when I was dreaming it. Right. And that always turns out to be something that I dreamed.
1: Right. It is sort of like that thing you can't escape. Uh, It's it's a lot like... Some of the really good time travel movies I've seen that I love the movies that sort of focus on the fact that like 12 Monkeys is a great example to me of a movie that really has answered a lot of questions to me about time travel, because there's always that thing where you're like, well, if you go in the past, then you're in the past. So could you actually change it? And 12 Monkeys kind of took the to road that you can't so it doesn't matter how hard you fight once it's happened it's happened right so everything you do is going to end up following exactly the pattern so you're saying your dreams are like that you'll have one then you'll remember it when something happens and by trying to change your actions you end up doing exactly what you did in the dream
0: yeah And again, it'll be like 12 seconds. It will be me walking from the living room to the kitchen and opening the refrigerator to get a drink. Right. And then my life will continue on and I won't have dreamed past that or whatever. And whenever I had the dream, and I'll usually remember about how long ago I dreamed it. Right. Not specifically, necessarily, unless it was fairly recent, but I had one that I had dreamed about a decade ago. Do tell. And it was a nothing thing. Like, I was just sitting in the living room watching TV, and this TV show that I was watching hadn't been made yet when I had this dream, and I was watching it happen, and I knew the next, like, four lines of dialogue.
1: Cool.
0: Now, I don't actually wholly buy into the precognition of it, that that actually happened a decade ago and i dreamed it but the nature of time and the way our brains process the flow of linear forward moving time right suggests there are some suggestions that when we remember something that in this case was precognitive of something coming in the past's future that is actually our brain just taking what's happening when it's happening and inserting it somewhere else as a memory that isn't actually a memory right so you didn't When you have precog dreams, you didn't actually dream them.
1: And we've had personal discussions about this quite recently, actually. Yeah. About the true tangibility of memory and how something could get implanted in your mind. There was that story I saw on PBS about the guy who was in jail for 10 years for rape because the woman saw him in the lineup and immediately was like, that's the guy. I know it's the guy. I have no doubt whatsoever. And then 10 years later, the guy that actually raped her was bragging about it in jail. and But she was so sure.
0: Yeah, our brains are very, uh, they're dicks, basically. Our brains are Yeah, dicks. they can be. <laughs> so the, there is a theory. Now, that doesn't speak to the people who remember a dream, wake up, write the dream down or talk about the dream or say something about what they dreamed right. and then later the shit they dreamed happens like that's clearly Which really, many I mean, the next time. time
1: you have what seems like just a banal nothing dream you really should like write it keep a dream journal or something so you can actually go back and say no this happened I dreamed this
0: but like I don't I don't ever really wake up and remember even kind of for the most part The really exciting dreams I have. Like, I remember dreaming. That's about the extent of my memory to what happened in the night before. So if I were to write down the dreams that I remember, none of the dreams I remember upon waking have ever been a precognitive dream ever. Right. It's always when it happens in real life, my brain goes, you dreamed this like four months ago on that Saturday night. It was totally in that one dream. Remember? And I'm like, yeah, that's weird. Well, the and fact the that your, your,
1: your mind is instantly saying it was a specific time that you dreamed it instead of just a general, I dreamed this. At some point. That could be a sign.
0: Yeah, it could be. Or our brains are dicks.
1: Well, that too.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> that's really that mine. That's my only thing. you carry carried the brunt
1: of, uh, of uh, uh, putting these podcasts up and naming them and everything. And I think these podcasts are pretty easy to name overall. It's just the subject that we're talking about. Can we name this one, Your Brain's a Dick? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, and I've had not too many personal instances with myself, but there definitely, I think, I think there is some validity to maybe our subconsciouses picking up on certain things that lead to. Us knowing certain things that we feel like just come out of the air, but we're as as human beings we're constantly giving each other invisible signals all the time, yeah, or things are happening that our conscious doesn't want to remember, but our subconscious stores it away, and then it comes back later. I can remember uh when my ex was pregnant with my daughter, she had two kids from a previous marriage. And I could probably trace the time that conception occurred, okay. <laughs> but it wasn't planned. So for the first you know, couple of weeks that she was pregnant, we didn't know. Right. We didn't even discuss it. We didn't have theories. We just didn't know. And uh, we were at her apartment one night, and she went to check on her kids, and she came back white as a ghost, said that her daughter, who talks in her sleep, was at the edge of the bed when she opened the door with her eyes shut on her knees like she was praying, rocking back and forth, saying... Mommy, why do you want to have another baby?
0: That is so creepy. I know. (laughs) Did you read Reddit had a thing... I, they've done it a couple times now but they had a thing in their like ask reddit subreddit which was what's the creepiest thing a kid has ever said to you yeah oh my god fucking terrifying
1: oh kids are just so creepy
0: but that's the thing is that actually kind
1: of ran in her family it seemed like lots of times everyone would know every female in her family would know a woman was pregnant before the woman did huh it was weird and she also had this weird connection I'll tell another quick story one time we were uh, I mean her daughter was always hysterical when she talked in her sleep so every time she if you were in a situation where you could see her do it you, you kind of like oh here we go it's like watching a tv show okay but we were all in the living room one time and her daughter and i were on the floor and she was on the couch and i was in the middle of them we were watching tv her daughter falls asleep she falls asleep i'm wide awake as usual at late at night and uh, all of a sudden her daughter starts moving like she's getting her talk in her sleep i'm like oh here we go she's gonna say something good and she goes in a dead sleep mommy i don't like sleeping on these sticks and her mother Whipped around in a dead sleep without a pause in between statements and goes, just lay in between them. (laughs) And I'm looking around in the middle of this going, what the fuck did I get myself into? (laughs) So I think there's 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 some the subconscious does some things. Sure. I think a precog dream could be completely reasonable and maybe even explainable.
0: It's entirely possible. And I think that if precognition is a th- like an like actual precognition, not your brain being a dick and telling you you thought of yeah. it before when you really didn't. To me, that opens up so many possibilities for not just time travel, but like divination and like right. any manner of D and D magic that you could think of at that point. Right. It's just, you know, unlocking that potential. I mean if we it's all know that the there. whole
1: thing about like we use only ten percent of our brain is, is complete bullshit. Yeah. But there are compartments that right. I think we're not accessing consciously much at all.
0: And we certainly don't. And some of them can't be right accessed consciously, at least as far as we're aware.
1: So, as much as the brain can be a dick, it's a fascinating dick.
0: It totally is fascinating. It's the most powerful computer ever. Yeah. Like, it is Skynet.
1: It is, and we're getting closer and closer to it actually becoming Skynet. (laughs) I've been watching a lot of documentaries on YouTube about androids and robotics that are fascinating and terrifying at the same time. Yeah. So that's cool. Did you have any other examples of of precog instances for you?
0: No, because they're all so stupid. Yeah. Like, they're really—none of them have been prophetic or profound. It would
1: would be awesome if you had this, like— dead zone you know oh the guy's gonna be president and he's gonna annihilate the world but instead you're like oh i'm gonna get orange juice at seven o'clock
0: yeah or it's usually more like <laughs> oh hey i remember that i'm getting orange juice now from before. but you know what that
1: actually adds to me more validity to it because there's one thing about all those psychic type movies and tv shows that they only see f- forward to the important stuff They did a skit on Saturday Night Live years ago, actually, with Christopher Walken, where they did a parody of The Dead Zone where he could only see stupid shit when he touched you. Yeah. It's like, you're going to go home and you're going to stop at a coffee shop (laughs) and there's not going to be enough sugar in the coffee. That's terrible Christopher Walken, I know. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. well, I guess I'll just add more sugar. You don't understand. You know, he took it very seriously.
0: Oh, God, that's so good.
1: You should look it up when you get a chance. It's very funny. But yeah, it's like we always want to make the big stuff. So I think maybe that's another way people ignore possible psychic phenomena all the time is they're not thinking about the little stuff, even though that happens way more often.
0: Yeah, like all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Literally all the time. I can
1: remember being in the car with some friends. And this is totally random. It's, it's not like it happens all the time, but it's going to happen, you know, just coincidentally every once in a while. I don't think I have psychic ability, but I remember sitting in the car with some friends and we were listening to the radio and I go in my mind, I said to myself. I want them to turn it on 93.3 because I want to hear Metallica's Hero of the Day. And I didn't say a word. And then uh, within a minute, one of them was just switching around and Hero of the Day was playing on 93.3.
0: I love stuff like that. It's yeah. the it's well, confirmation bias, really.
1: Like, it could be that my brain just happened to pick up on some radio waves because they're everywhere.
0: Or like a car down there was driving by and playing it or
1: Maybe. Whatever. Again, subconscious and, is picking up on something that you're not even aware of.
0: But it's like there's also the... um. The human tendency to catch patterns, which we just talked yes. about. And so we'll be thinking of a song or a word or a person or yes. whatever. And for the next day, three days, a week, you just hear it or see it constantly. Right. And Even it's not it's because like a new car. it's not supposedly it's not because you're actually seeing it more because you are thinking about it. It's just that right. you notice it. Because you were thinking about it.
1: Right. There's a great video about magic um, that I saw one time uh, where they were talking about how a magician's – a really good magician's tricks work. And it was all about focus. And they were showing a video where the video intended for you to focus on this particular trick someone was doing like on the street or something. And then – the video ends and they're like, "Did you see the bear?" And oh yeah, it's
0: like fifteen people juggling, yeah, together and in then, an alleyway and, or whatever. Yeah, it's,
1: it's the stuff that you would think you would never miss in hundred years because when they play it again, there's a guy walking behind them in a bear costume, and yeah. you're just like, "How did I miss that?" It's because your mind at that moment said, "This is not important."
0: Yeah, there's a a pickpocket, stage magician, con artist guy who gives a TED talk where he Ooh, basically, I need to watch that. oh god, Evan, it's for you, it's the best. <laughs> He basically undresses and redresses himself. He, st- he gets somebody from the audience and takes his watch. Like, they're just standing there on stage. Right. And he takes his watch and, like, his wallet or his tie or something, and he changes his tie in the middle of his TED Talk. You, and no one knew. No, God, no. Like, I've seen it three or four times, and I still miss Oh yeah. the moments that those things happen. Like, I'm paying attention specifically to see him do it, and there are certain parts of it that I still don't know when or how he does it.
1: Absolutely. Um, I saw uh, something similar. There was a pickpocket on the street showing how that kind of close-up hand magic works, and he just made a coin disappear out of a guy's hand. And uh, so he did the trick again, except when he did it again, he made one move slightly more obvious— and all he was doing was putting the coin on the guy's shoulder. Okay. But you were so focused because they're, the, the good people that are really good at that are so good about understanding that they have the power to completely cancel out a part of your brain function for the sake of the trick.
0: Yeah. It's people who are good at misdirection. Oh, yeah. They're they're truly amazing at it.
1: Oh, it's fascinating to watch. It is fascinating to watch. And it makes you question like everything you've seen beforehand. Yeah. So that that's so really cool. And we're, honestly, one of these days we should probably just dedicate an episode to the brain.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: So I have more traditional sort of spooky stuff. Okay, good. Um, We talked on the last episode about theater and how a lot of theaters are supposedly haunted. And, you know, I am not going to sit here and say I have seen anything that... I would attribute to a ghost, because I even said in that episode, I've never really seen anything that I would consider a ghost. But your mind does play tricks on you. Your mind does want to imagine certain things. And I have had a couple of things happen that I would consider are unexplained. Okay, Doesn't mean the living dead. (laughs) right? I had taken a break from theater for a while when my daughter was born. And when I started doing shows again, I was at the theater we mentioned last week, which is a big old theater. And the history of the theater, too, is very interesting because at one point, the site that the theater is now on was used as a temporary Civil War hospital. Mm -hmm. So that's where some of the quote-unquote ghost sightings that very reasonably minded people have said have come from. Also, it's been through the hands of many, many different artistic directors, one of which did commit suicide. I don't know if it was in the theater or not. But so there's all this history Behind that it's one of the oldest theaters in the area because most of the others they've been around but they had to move locations or whatever and this place is one of the oldest theaters in the area. So there's a history there and it's also a one of the biggest regional theaters in the area. So you're always kind of like, there's so many different possibilities in a place like that. The prop room itself is bigger than most of the rehearsal spaces for other theaters around here. So there's just so much potential for weirdness there. And of course, you can cancel out some, you know, everyone says, you know, you hear weird sounds in your house. Well, it's the house settling. And most of the time they're right. Yep. But there are certain things like, When I came back to do shows, the theater was trying to help me out because I was a completely single father at the time. And they had set up a little area for my daughter to go to sleep in and be babysat in 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 an office in the bottom floor of the theater. Aw. It was very sweet. And they hired a girl to actually be her babysitter. Nice. And so basically this girl's job, once it was her bedtime, was to take her down to the air mattress that they put out for her put her to bed, and then there's a staircase right next to that office that leads up to the main floor of the theater. And if you're sitting on that staircase, there's one door that leads outside that leads into the green room from outside. Yep. Um, and these are big metal doors. That's why I have a key to that theater. And I've always said, in the case of the zombie apocalypse, that is where I'm going.
0: Oh, totally. For, yeah. for that area? Yeah, without question.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. So those doors are not quiet. You've been there plenty of times. You, yes. you know what I mean. And so we were Getting a notes session from the particular play we were doing that night, which was a murder mystery, and we're all on stage, and then we hear the door open, that particular door open and shut. and there was a rehearsal for another show going on upstairs in the rehearsal hall in the back, so we all just assumed, okay, somebody from rehearsals coming in, but then we didn't hear anything else, so we're like, oh, maybe because uh, homeless people do tend to wander in there too. If they can find an unlocked door, they'll wander in and see if they can sure. get anything, get some food or whatever. So they sent a couple of us to check it out, and uh, we walk over to where the door is. We open the door. There's no one in the theater. There's no one outside the door. And so we're like, oh, maybe somebody from rehearsal came down, was kinda come in, and then changed their mind. And so we turn around, and we see the girl that's babysitting my daughter, her head uh, sitting on the staircase, looking at us. And we look at her, and we goes, did you see anybody come in? And she was so spooked. She goes, no. <laughs> but you heard the door. She goes, "Uh, Yeah. She was looking right at it. Like there was nothing blocking her view okay. of the door. There were no voices, there was no nothing. It was just and and the the wind is not going to blow these doors open. No. Mm-mm. So that was one instance. Okay. Um, again, these are all very small, very minor. Another instance, we were doing a play where uh, I was playing the second lead character and they had to, they had, were having issues with their lead lead character. So they had to let him go just a couple of weeks before we opened. And the artistic director of that theater stepped into that role, which meant a lot of extra rehearsal when we could, uh, mainly just for the sake of him memorizing lines because sure. this dude talked constantly. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a great actor and uh, very good at memorizing lines, but at the same time, that's a ton of work to do in a very short amount of time. Yeah. The way they had designed the set, I thought it was very neat because the two locations in this play were Office of Barrister and Courtroom. So they built it on a huge swivel. Nice. Like just a, a spin table. So, you know, when it was time for scene changes, you didn't have to move furniture. You just spun the thing around. Yep. After one rehearsal in particular, the courtroom scene, we hadn't worked that night. So the courtroom set piece was actually in the back. Right. And everybody had left for the night and the director comes to me and he goes, Hey, would you mind hanging out for a little while and just running some of these lines with me? And I'm like, Great, let's do it. And since it was a court scene, we decided to use the court space, but we weren't gonna go through the trouble of turning it around. Right. It's gonna use it. And on the if you're standing on stage to the stage right side, that's for you that don't know, stage right is when you're standing as the actor on stage looking at the audience, stage right is your right. Yes. Because it's opposite of the audience's right. So that's where all the control panel is that powered the lights of the theater and everything. Those were all off. And his wife, who was directing the show, was in the green room behind us. Now, some of the cast members had walked outside and they were all standing outside chit-chatting. But again, you can't open those doors quietly. No. So we're doing our scene and all of a sudden, oh, wait, the lights were on. That's right. All of a sudden, the lights just completely off.
0: Like, then the ghost light went off? or No, no,
1: not the ghost light. All the lights. <laughs> like, if you look at that board, there's probably seven or eight switches, independent right? individual switches. I mean, it's just power. a
0: circuit breaker, basically.
1: Just a big... No, but we looked for that. <laughs> it wasn't like all of them went off at once. It, it's hard to explain, but it was... The lights went off in a way that would have been done by a person. Okay. Because not all, every single light went off. The ghost light was still on, for example... It was just stage lights, house lights. As far as I know, I never heard uh, an update about there being a circuit breaker issue. And by the way, the artistic director here theater is very skeptical of ghosts. <laughs> okay. One of his favorite lines in movies of all time is from Ghostbusters when they first get to the library and the books are stacked on top of each other, and Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramers are going nuts about it, and Bill Murray goes, Yes, no human being would stack books like this. So he's pretty skeptical about that stuff. But even he was a little creeped out because these lights go. And you can hear the switches, too. It's not just they go off. It's you got to flip the switches and you can hear the switches flip to turn them off.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is a very it is probably not all that surprisingly a very theatrical board Uh, of switches. Like you have to throw the switch.
1: Yes. And, And there's all like six or seven individual switches for each thing you want to do. And so it happened. And to the point where we both stopped like mid lines and he called out for his wife's name and we heard her in the green room answer him back and I was like he was like did you come out here and fiddle with the lights at all no <laughs> and then like it happened to the point where i got up and actually walked through the theater and opened the door to see some of the cast is still hanging out in the parking lot and i was like did any of you guys come in and
0: quietly somehow do anything and they're like no
1: and again, like some of them were enough tricksters to where they, they could have, but they wouldn't have been able to do it quietly. Those doors make hella noise. Yeah, they do. Even if you're open, yeah, it doesn't really matter because. The one open, you just can't be silent with those doors. Not at all. They're great doors, but it also is a big annoyance when you're on stage and someone comes in late. Yeah. <laughs> it's like to be or come on, come come Yeah. So those were my theater ghostly experiences. Again, not the most chilling things in the world, but just little kind of huh happenings.
0: Yeah. All of mine are secondhand stories of things that happened to somebody right before I got there. Well, or... and I
1: have tons of secondhand theater stories.
0: Yeah, and that's where most of mine come from is oh yeah this person that i was in a play with showed up early and the upstairs loft door was swinging like someone had just gone in
1: and this is not the same theater we're talking about no is it Mm -mm. okay
0: but i have never been present for any of them so they've always been secondhand for me sure that's my whole thing really is like all of the stuff that is kind of cool and weird always happens to other people or right before I got there. Hey,
1: look, some of the best stories I have are other people's stories.
0: Like All of my great stories are other people's stories.
1: Well, I mean, a good friend of mine used to work at that theater, the theater I was talking about, um, doing props and stuff too, because he was an actor, but he's also brilliant at at props and, and painting and stuff. And he tells a story all the time about putting down his, uh, screw gun and every time he goes back to pick it up it's moved okay you know little things like that yeah just kind of like oh that makes me uncomfortable
0: yeah like that's just it's just weird that's just weird
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like it can happen once and you go okay i just wasn't paying attention to it but then you purposefully go i'm setting it here and i'm going to remember that i set it here i'm going to make a chalk outline around this fucking screw gun and then turn my back yeah do something else come back it's moved
0: yeah Ugh. one so of my mom's it, uh, yeah one z of my mom's best some pretty friend. good stories oh yes, uh, well, z has got one that happened to him, and K actually is his he has a superpower cool, his superpower is uh lay on hands for computers, okay, like a lot of tech people are big on percussive maintenance,
1: like bishop and the x men
0: uh, sure, I think
1: Bishop was the one that had the great like technological powers
0: was he maybe, yeah, I think you're right.
1: He made uh, guns or something. I don't know. He, his power was always weird and amorphous to me.
0: <laughs> so tech people will do percussive maintenance. If the computer's not working, they'll hit it with a screwdriver. Mm-hmm. And it works a lot of the time. Sometimes for whatever reason, you just kick it a little and that'll make it start going. Right. But like, I'm relatively tech savvy. I'm not a total novice when it comes to building and maintaining my own computer. He's not a novice either. He we're both like tech support level capable of handling our own shit. Right. But Kay is like our on-call go-to tech guy when stuff is just beyond us or what we're doing is not working. Right. And this happens basically every time. We'll do whatever the normal tech support steps are to do to fix a computer if it's not working right. And when that doesn't work, if and when that doesn't work, we'll be like, all right, um, can you come in here and figure out what the problem is? And he's a, he's a genius at computer work. Right. Like he's truly good at all manner of fixing computers, both hardware that what and software. He does for a living? Yes. Okay. Super good at it and likes to do it. So it's not like a huge inconvenience or whatever. So he'll come out and he'll be like, all right, so what's going on? And we'll explain the problem. And he'll say, okay, well, there are a couple things I can do. First, show me or I'll have it do what it's doing because he wants to be able to see what the problem is. Sure. And we'll show him, or he'll try to get it to do what it was doing, and it'll just be fixed. Weird. It'll just work. Like, he hasn't done anything, and it's to the point now where sometimes he'll just come into the room while an error is occurring on the computer, and I'll be like, can you come here and see this? And then I'll say, see, it's giving me this error, and I will click the error away, and I will do it again, and it'll just work. (laughs) Just, he's just standing here. Like, he doesn't have to touch it anymore. He just walks into the room and just intimidates the shit out of my computer, <laughs> un- and it just starts working because it doesn't want to anger him or whatever. So that's, that's his superpower, and that it just works, and I don't understand it. Uh, so he just you, sort he,
1: of has this weird...
0: Yeah, like an aura of computer working.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's um, that's unusual. Yeah. And it is it's certainly something I don't understand. I consider myself pretty computer illiterate. There are things that I've been able to figure out just through trial and error, but it is almost completely a foreign language to me.
0: Yeah.
1: It's a lot like math. <laughs> it really is. Like once you get past the point where you go, okay, go to your start menu, and I'm like, okay, I oh, no, I'm lost. I'm done. Okay. Well, I have something, and this, I think, I love this story because I think it's equal parts funny and chilling at moments. Okay. The story, I may have told you before, I don't know, where I actually have seen a UFO. And now I am a reasonable person. I do believe in the existence of alien life. I don't necessarily believe it has ever come to this planet. Sure. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I saw an alien ship, but I saw the definition of an unidentified flying object.
0: Isn't that you couldn't identify it and it was right. flying?
1: And it was an object. There you go. I hope. And there were witnesses. So okay. that helps, too. Years ago, before I ever went through my experimental drug phase, and I did. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I've had my share of drink and drug. But for a while, I was the sober buddy in my group of friends. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have any interest in it. I was just like, I do you're getting high. Great. I just don't want to. And thankfully, I was not in a group of people that routinely... Pressed me to do it there were times you know like dude i would love it if you just tried it man you'd have so much fun and i was like i just don't want to So they're like, cool whatever so i'm hanging out of my house one night and this is back when i lived with my mom and we get a knock at the door we weren't expecting anyone i was in my room and she calls me and says it's two of my friends so i go to say hello to them and say what's up guys i didn't expect you to come over and we were all standing in the doorway of my house with my mother nearby and so we were all it was very awkward it was a lot of them staring at me and then shiftily looking at my mother and then huh. staring at me again. And they're like, "Um, could we could we step outside?" <laughs> I was like, "Okay." So we step outside and I shut the door and they go, "Okay. We are tripping our balls off right now. <laughs> and we were just driving around and we think we saw a UFO, but we need a sober person to go back with us and see if we see it again." Okay. As far as they were concerned, it could have been a shared hallucination. Sure. So I was like, yes, this is what my night needs. I'm getting my coat. <laughs> so we got into my car at the time and we're driving around. We went to where they said they saw it and we're walking around at night. And this is before I'd ever done acid or anything. And so I didn't exactly know what their mental state was, what they could have seen, what they couldn't have seen. I didn't understand how that drug sort of affects your vision of reality. Right? But I'd heard of hallucinations. So I was obviously like, this might be bullshit, but I got nothing better to do. It could be fun. So we go to where they say they saw it. And what they say was they went to this housing development that was in the middle of being built. And this was like, I don't know, midnight. And they were just doing that acidy thing, which I understand now <laughs> of just feeling the breeze in the night and right. listening to the trees and all that great stuff. And uh, there was this huge sort of pit dug out for, I guess, the next section of the development they were going to build, and they said they saw this thing. And obviously the crews aren't there, I mean, because it's not like they work at night on something like that. They have a normal day shift on sure. those. So they said they saw this thing through the trees, silently come out of that ditch area, and go past them and go up into the sky. Okay. So our first thing to do was go back there. And we're walking around. We don't see anything. We don't see anything. So I'm like, okay. So we're on our way back to my mom's house. All of us is kind of like them questioning their sanity and me going, God damn it, I would have loved to have seen a UFO. <laughs> when all of a sudden I hear one of them go, There it is. And we all turn to our left and there it is. I mean, okay. I can't describe it. It was about 100 feet in front of us and probably uh, 100 to 150 feet in the air. Okay. Just hovering. And I was like, "But we're but we were driving away from it, so I was like, we have to turn around to get close to this thing." So at the last second, I saw this little side road break off of the main road. So like in the fucking movies, it was like, bah, bah, you nice. know, down this road, and we're all just like, we're all three looking at it. And we're just sort of in awe of how, A, quiet it is because my first thought, anything that can hover is some sort of helicopter. But helicopters are not quiet.
0: No. No, they're very discernible.
1: Very. Uh, My windows shake when a helicopter's a few hundred feet in the air and it comes by. So this thing was not making a sound. It was about the size of a Winnebago. It had four white lights on the bottom. But it was night, so we couldn't make out any real discernible details. All we could see is a, the approximate size and lights on the bottom. Okay. But we're all like, we're still looking at it. We're going down this road, booking it down this road Very until safe, at the last by second. Way. I realized the road dead ends mm-hmm. into like just this grassy open area and trees. where uh, on the on either side of us. There are some trailers and things like that. And now we're like, well, we can't lose it. Fuck this. So I tried to do a three point turn. And get back down that road and find another road around the area we could turn off of and get closer to this thing. And just like in the fucking movies, as soon as I finish the three-point turn and start going back down the road, the car starts shaking. And we stop, we get out, flat tire. Could not go any further. I didn't have my jack in the car. So we had to walk back to my mom's house, get the jack, come back, and change the tire. We were still like, we're going to look for this thing. Okay. But we never saw it again. I don't know where it went. I don't know if it disappeared or flew away, but it was something unidentified flying in the air at night with lights. It was a UFO.
0: Probably somebody's remote helicopter, remote control plane or whatever. It was
1: way too big to just be your casual remote. And they got a lot closer to it than I did. The way they described it is it came up out of the trees, went in front of them and went up high. So it wasn't it certainly wasn't a small remote control thing sure if that's what it was but that absolutely could make perfect sense but to this day i mean i even went back the next night with some other friends and we were like this is where i saw it blah blah blah. we never saw it again but in that moment oh my god we were the x files
0: well i love not like the random redneck gets kidnapped while he's drunk and anally probed stories but like the corroborated eyewitness reports of some object, some something, some occurrence that is clearly, I mean, empirically real, like this was an object or here is my picture of it. I mean, we can't tell you what it is, but it was obviously present. Yes. In some way. It's not like an artifact on the film. Not that digital cameras have film, but it's not an artifact on the picture. It's like clearly a thing that I took a picture of. I just don't know what the fucking pictures of. Right. Exactly. And there are six different people that have images of it from six different sides or whatever. Yes. And we just don't know what it is. Yes. It is clearly something. Yes. We're not making it up. But what it is, we do not no. Right. I and love that's such those. a great,
1: like people, we gravitate to mystery. Yeah. We love, in fact, it's almost better to never have some of our questions answered because once they are, you're going like, to, oh, okay.
0: oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's a good answer, you're still like, yeah, but I don't have the mystery anymore. Yeah. So, me sitting here telling you, I love that story because it is always stuck in my brain, but I'm not saying we were going to get abducted or anally probed, although. Could have been fun, but it was not an alien. I couldn't couldn't sit here and tell you it was an alien. All I can tell you is that it was in the air. It was flying. We didn't know what the fuck it was. I had two people with me who, yes, weren't sober, but had already seen it once. Yep. So that to me is my uh, one of the stories i love to tell about one of the f- and again like you my life has been pretty banal up till now yeah so those little stories just give it that little extra juice of of there is something unknown out there and it could be some dude's muffled helicopter yeah
0: exactly <laughs> my rc airplane
1: yeah ooh, ooh. Speaking of which, uh, on my bucket list this year for Christmas is a Millennium Falcon drone. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Okay. Have you seen them? Yes. Oh, they're so cool. And maybe I will make two high kids and their sober friend think that they've seen a UFO one day.
0: Right. That could be hella fun.
1: Oh, it'd be amazing. I'm also sure that it helped them just confirm the fact that they're not completely insane. Right. Because now that I have a little bit more experience with it, LSD really does sort of test your boundaries of sanity at times
0: foundation in the real world. Yeah,
1: and if you can get your head around the fact that this is the effect of the drug, then you can be fine, but sometimes it can I never had this happen, but it, it it can run away with your brain.
0: Apparently, yeah.
1: But also there's that theory, too, that drugs are just a way of opening us up to the universe around us already that we're just not seeing normally.
0: Yeah, and there have been plenty of studies done, especially on LSD, that indicate pretty much exactly yeah, that. there was that town.
1: Oh, I can't remember the name of the town. I can't remember what Ward was. But there was a town where there was an experiment done unwittingly to them where they put some form of LSD in the water. I think it was an experimental type. It hadn't officially become LSD yet. But there is a, I think, a confirmed story about some small town in France where people just started acting batshit crazy. And it did turn out that some government agency had placed something in the water to see what would happen.
0: It was a Pont Saint Esprit, and they put it in the wheat of the bread, I think.
1: Oh, was that what it was? Okay.
0: Mm.
1: Which is fucked up enough, but also would make a fantastic movie.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: So what do you got?
0: Z's major story.
1: Okay. He
0: was, he thinks he was around 12-ish. Okay. And he was living with his mother and his three younger siblings. Mm Mm-hmm. And one of the kids got hurt doing something. They were roughhousing or playing or whatever, and they got hurt. a sibling of his. Yes. Okay. And his mother was in her room watching TV with the door locked. Uh Uh-huh. And he knew that. And knew that she was behind a locked door so that she wouldn't have to come out and deal with the kids. Right. But one of his younger siblings was hurt and he obviously they needed to get her to help them acquire medical attention. Yes.
1: So hurt pretty badly.
0: So he ran through the house to get to his mom's room and went from the hallway to inside her bedroom. Weird. With her bedroom door still closed and locked behind him. Weird. And freaked her the fuck out.
1: So he doesn't remember opening the door in any way, and she has no memory of opening the door for him in any way. No, no, he she was, was just she
0: there. was in bed, and the door was locked. It had you know one of those little knob turning locks, not yeah. like dead bolt or whatever, but just like a little knob turning lock. So those things aren't foolproof you absolutely can bust the door down oh, sure. it's locked but it's not quiet and you're going to do damage to the door to do that right and the door was just closed and locked still behind him and she she nice. swears that he was just there her door never moved she didn't hear any noise which of course you would Right. if somebody busts your door open. Of course. Especially if they bust it open hard enough to get past a lock and then slam it back shut behind you.
1: Right, and then lock it again.
0: I mean, the, the little knob lock would probably stay locked to keep the bolt in place. That's sure. the point of it. But that's not a quiet or non-damaging no, at all. effect to have on a door. If you slam it open hard enough for it to bounce off the wall and come back to slam closed again, that's not quiet or calm. So apparently he just ran through the hall and teleported through her door.
1: Nice. And, and so he told her about the injury. She got up, she handled it, and then was like, Where the fuck did you come from? <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, let's say that's how that happened.
1: Nice. So Very creepy. His, and how yeah. old was he?
0: Like 12.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because that's also old enough to where you can have a pretty solid memory and also not give in to childish superstition.
0: Yeah. That's and old I mean- enough to
1: be reasonable.
0: He was focused on something else entirely, and it wasn't until later that it even occurred to him.
1: Has he ever had anything like that happen again? No. Well, you need to tell him to start fucking focusing. Right. So he can show us how to transport.
0: Exactly, because if I've got a Nightcrawler living in my house, that's badass.
1: Oh yeah. I'd Be
0: like, bamf, That'd be amazing. Go everywhere we wanted to go <laughs> slowly in fifty. Awesome.
1: If like he just appeared in the room, silently <laughs> staring at his mom, and his mom looked at him, and he went, bamf, bamf. <laughs> just, just said it. Yep. <laughs> like no tone at all. Bamf. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. That's a that's a pretty cool. Like, and I like the fact that your stories are not hinging on the more like mine are pretty traditional ghost, UFOs, things like that. And then we're covering sort of the other weird ground with yours.
0: Yeah, just the ones where your brain's a dick.
1: Yeah, brain's a dick <laughs> Well, I have one more big story that is probably the cr- the truly creepiest thing that's ever happened to me. Okay. And again, not gonna say it's ghosts. I don't know if I've ever told you this story before. I'm pretty sure I have. But if you know where I live, you know that there is a hotel downtown that is open for business now and has been for several years.
0: I love that place.
1: Is a very old hotel. Yeah. And since I was a kid, up until about I don't know, ten years ago, maybe I can't remember how long it's been open now, but was just this old, condemned building. Yeah, it was. The they opened it up about South a Carolina, year, about a year
0: I'm after. I'm just gonna tell like you right
1: now, it's so different than it used to be. I know. I mean, there were areas where this hotel were that you just wouldn't go. Yep. At night, because you would be in mortal danger. But there's been a real effort to just really sort of. Make a bit of a mini metropolis out of downtown. Very successfully, I might add. There's a lot of great places to go downtown now. Restaurants and everything. Increased tourism, which has its negative and positives. Mm-hmm. I always tell people I am... Tur- you know, if you go to the beach in the summer, you're having a great time. but The shop owners love you there, but all the locals are like, fuck you. yep, Get out of my town. I'm turning into that guy, especially with parking and traffic in the summer.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But it still is a very very lovely downtown area. And this hotel is very lovely, too, because they did the smart thing when they when they oh, reopened it by not giving it this total new remodel. It still has a very classic feel to it. They didn't change the structure of the building. There are rooms in that hotel that do remind me of the Overlook Hotel. Okay. But for a while, it was completely condemned. Yes. It has been that way for a long time.
0: And it's one of those old, like, super old hotels with the oh, yeah. very narrow hallways. Yes. The ones where It's like you and a bag fit through this hallway, and that is it. Did we go in there one night? Was it you and me? It may have been. been
1: I had been in there twice when it was condemned, and the story I have is from my first time. But I know I went a second time, and I can't remember who I went with.
0: I don't remember who I went with either.
1: But you have been in that hotel. I have yes. during the time it was condemned yes. at night. Yes. Which is already it's a creepy fucking place.
0: Abandoned buildings are creepy. Yes. They're cool. In case but you, you don't
1: know listening audience, the more you know, abandoned buildings are creepy. Oh my god. And especially hotels because there's such a history there. I don't care. If you're if your hotel's five years old, somebody's probably died in a room somewhere if it's a reasonably successful hotel.
0: Well, and the old, like very classy hotels yeah. Or just the ones that that are old enough to all look classy because they're old. They're they're very close things. Yes. Like modern hotels have really wide hallways, lush carpets, tall ceilings. This doesn't. It's very narrow. It's very cramped. It is cramped. very, it it's is very is dark.
1: Very old school, you know, less is more type deal. Yeah. So, the first time I ever went there, uh, a group of us, about six or seven of us, decided to just sneak in at night. And the thing is, it was very easy. Everyone was like, oh, you can't go in there. You get in trouble. It was so easy to get yeah. in and out of that hotel. Yep. The problem is, what I was most afraid of was the fact that it is so easy. And no one ever really goes through that hotel at night to see if anyone's there. Huge homeless population. Oh, yeah, totally. In there. A lot of rumors about uh, uh Satanists' activity in there at night. A lot of things like that. So. I remember going into that situation. I was dating a girl at the time, and she had never been. And at the time, I hadn't either. I remember going into that situation not being afraid of running into anything supernatural.
0: But the flesh and blood of... human beings that were holed up in oh, yes. the hotel. Yeah.
1: Either doing some sort of ritual sacrifice or just a homeless man who freaked out and attacked you. Yeah. So already my nerves are up, but you still kind of can't resist it. So I'm And I remember walking through, and like there's there was this great ballroom in there that had a, a Uh, an interior balcony it was not it was not a two-floor ballroom but it had sort of a balcony in the middle that you could look out at over it Mm -hmm. and just seeing that room with boarded up windows with the moonlight shining through was just so cool and i knew people that filmed things in there you could get permission to film things in that building because it's just so so many options but what really got me and this is the darkest dark i've ever been in was just going from one floor to the next because as soon as you walked into the stairwells And the door shut at night. There were no windows. It was all these old, you know, concrete brick walls. And the big doors, the reasonably heavy doors, and you're just like, this is the darkest dark I have ever been in. And I'm actually okay. I'm a bit of a pussy with most things, but I'm actually okay in a crisis. I'm that guy that can sit there and go, okay, what's happening? What's the best thing to do? I don't, like, freak out. So, We're going to and We had decided to form a chain and hold each other's hands. And I was the last person in the chain. Okay, And my girlfriend was in front of me. And so we're going down from, I don't know, fourth floor to the third floor, maybe. And I'd say this hotel's probably 15 floors, something like that. And I just remember being in that stairwell for the first time and just realizing how dark it was. And one of the girls in the group, which was a few people in front of us, was half my size, not the strongest person in the world. And my girlfriend Although she took karate, she could whoop my ass. But upper body strength, I probably still had a little bit on her. Okay. So we're going down the stairs to this one door. Everybody's getting through this door with no problems whatsoever. And it's my turn to hold the door open so I can walk through. Well, I let go of my girlfriend's hand long enough to put my hand on the door just to push it open for myself. When all of a sudden, and I'm not kidding you, I couldn't keep it open. Okay. It honestly felt like something was pushing that door shut.
0: And you're sure that your friends weren't on the other side going, Tee, let's lock up person. in the staircase. I could
1: see every time the door opened, I could see the person ahead of me through the moonlight going into the hallway. So I know no one stayed behind.
0: Okay.
1: I just remember my girlfriend goes through, I put my hand up to stop the door from closing, my left hand, and the I start to push it open so that I can put my body through and get, you know, maybe my left shoulder in before I feel something pushing against the door. OK. And I, I really tried hard to open this door back up, but I realized not enough of my body was through for me to be able to sneak through and get into the hallway. So at the last second, I let go and pulled back and the door shut. OK. Closed. And so there I am in the most pitch black darkness i have ever been in and uh-huh. this part i'm pretty sure was my mind just playing tricks on me but first i'm sitting there going how did everyone else in this group get through that door with such ease and now <laughs> i can't and now i'm standing in the middle of the darkest dark i've ever been in by myself and no one seems to have noticed for at least a few seconds because i don't hear anyone going hey where's evan yeah I just remember standing alone in that passageway, not knowing where to go, not knowing what to do, thinking, okay, I should try the door again. And then right before I did, I just remember looking into the corner of the blackest black darkness I've ever seen. And I could swear just for a second, I saw an outline that looked vaguely human that was even darker than that.
0: That's chilling.
1: And that's when I said, I'm going to try the door now. (laughs) And I opened it with no issues and walked through. Oh, yeah, that's the creepiest thing that's ever happened to me. And I'm not, I'm not going to say it tell you it was a ghost. Probably mostly my imagination. Maybe my foot got caught on the other side of the door and I didn't realize it.
0: But still, fuck. Yeah. Oh, no. I was scared. <laughs> that's That's super creepy. You're right. Yeah. That is super creepy.
1: That's why I saved it for last.
0: We should have saved that for lasty last because <laughs> mine is not nearly that creepy. Wow. Good story. Thank you. Happy Halloween, everybody. Yeah, yeah right? Oh. Okay, I need a minute. That was that's <laughs> my brain is like directing the movie of that moment. Yeah. that's very disturbing.
1: Oh, I would use that moment if I ever made a haunted whatever movie.
0: Yeah, no one should steal that from you, or maybe well, everyone. I'm saying it on this podcast now,
1: so it's copyrighted. We got the date and time <laughs> that it was told.
0: That's true. Take that, M Night Shyamalan.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay, I mean. If it was a nice Shyamalan telling a story, then what would be in the corner would be, I don't know, a pissed-off house plan or something.
0: Yeah, probably. Ugh. All right. Do you want mine? Yes, please. Okay. Mine is my mom. My mom. Ah! Oh, Ah, you know it's creepy. My mom. No. She has this weird connection to me. hmm And, of course, most parents will say that they have, you know, a strong bond with their children as long as they're close to their children or love them. But, like, they have a strong bond with them and they kind of get feelings about them from time to time or whatever this is way weirder than that i have three major examples but there are a lot of there are dozens of smaller ones that go along with this so the three major examples throughout my life where my mom's sense of me has been unnaturally keen and your
1: parents right now are sort of doing the cross-country thing, right?
0: They actually just got back uh, earlier this year. They are going to go on another year-long nice. cross-country thing starting next year.
1: Basic point being you and your mom are regularly very far apart.
0: Oh, yes. Very far. <laughs> and all of these are from when we were far apart.
1: Awesome.
0: I mean, sometimes just across town or whatever, but sure, sure, sure. not close by. So the first one was when I was, ooh, I think I was maybe 12. 11 or 12. Okay. It was during the summer or a break from school, and I was biking with a friend of mine. Biking? And biking. Okay. We were on bikes, and we went from our house about, I don't know, we were going about three quarters of a mile away to the 7-Eleven down the street. And I'm biking, and we're on a major thoroughfare on the sidewalk. And okay. So it's like just a six-lane road. Sure. On our right and on our left, the golf course that we lived near had built their driving range- in what had once been a big ravine next to the road. So the land just dips away off the sidewalk. I mean, obviously there's like guardrails and stuff. You can't just fall in there. But you can look down into the driving range from the sidewalk. So we're on this really wide, major thoroughfare sidewalk on our bikes. She's in front of me. I'm behind her. I look to the driving range as we're biking by it, just because it's there, mm-hmm. and right as I do that, she breaks for something, and I don't remember what it was. Well, I was apparently riding perfectly in line with her, because my front wheel hit her back wheel, and I oh, flew no. over her.
1: You were helmets at all?
0: Helmets, yes. Oh, good. Flew over her, landed on my left knee, and-
1: mm, That sounds painful.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> It was. It was very It was painful.
1: like full on onto the concrete. Yes. I mean, I was,
0: I was small. I was only 11. It was only whatever, 70 pounds or however much you weigh when you're 11 or 12. Yeah, but still. But all of it went on my left knee. It, it hurt and it was really bad. Like, I'm not going to describe it because it was really bad, but it was really bad. And Okay. My friend is also 11 or 12, has no idea what to do. We're still half a mile from the Seven We're just on the sidewalk next to a road, middle of the day in the summer. There's virtually in mind, no one mind, any of you
1: younger listeners, it's not like she had a cell phone she oh, could God, pull no. out of her pocket.
0: Good God, no. No <laughs> one had a cell phone when I was that age. No one. Like, car phones were for Miami Vice. Right. That was not a thing that we had. Not at that point. And so we're half a mile from even the nearest payphone. Now, I know that my screaming could be heard in the driving range where there were people hitting golf balls. So somebody probably noticed, but I was totally beside myself with pain and fear. And my friend was just panic-stricken. She had no idea what to do. We were very lucky in that there was an EMT driving by right when it happened. Oh, wow. Like he was just in his truck just driving by. That's serendipitous. Yes. And he was all... (laughs) <laughs> so he's
1: like as calling... one would hope that he were yeah so <laughs> I mean, he's like
0: on with dispatch it would dispatch.
1: really suck if he had nothing else to do it was like well nobody's uh, called do it do in do so do fucker do do
0: do do. yeah so we call dispatch he like pulls a Yui. he stops he comes over and immediately this was within probably 30 seconds of me hitting the pavement there was somebody attending to me nice which was good oh very <laughs> But, of course, again, middle of the day, no parents around, no cell phones. I didn't know my mom's office number, and she worked out of a couple different offices, I think, at that point anyway. So I was like, I don't freaking know. And I'm dying here, clearly. Yeah. So the ambulance gets there. They board my knee up. They put me in the ambulance. They're taking me to a hospital. The hospital they're taking me to, I lived in a town between Seattle and Tacoma, Washington. Okay. And they were taking me to a hospital in Tacoma, which is south. My mom worked in seattle which is north Mm -hmm. so i get to the hospital whatever 25 minutes later not three minutes after i get to the hospital my mom comes in the door
1: that's so she was just hanging out and at the doing the timeline here (laughs) at the time you hit your knee she was like my daughter's in trouble
0: what had happened was she if i recall correctly She had decided to go to one of the offices in that area of town on a whim or... Not as planned or whatever. She was much closer than she would have been had she just been at work. Right. And she happened, that office happened to be very near the hospital that I was being taken to. So they were able to call her main office and the main office said she was in the other office, gave them that number and they called her at the other office on the way to the hospital. But she wasn't supposed to be there. She was supposed to be an hour and a half away working in the middle of Seattle. Weird. And wasn't. She was instead like three minutes away working at a building right next to the hospital they were taking me to, which, by the way, was not the closest hospital to the house. No. It was the hospital that this ambulance company or whatever went to or was the one that had the shortest line. I don't know what made them make that decision.
1: Did she tell you later that she just had some sort of feeling or something along those lines?
0: No, not for that one, though she did, I think... She said that she felt like she needed to be around. Yeah. Uh, but I don't I don't remember her having like a serious pre- premonition about right. why. That's the first kind of major one where it was just yeah. kind of randomly serendipitous that she happened yeah, to be absolutely. very
1: close. The whole thing is randomly serendipitous. The M T. The guy just happened to be mm-hmm. there. Your mom was close by. I'm not, I don't believe in a higher power. I think this is all, you know, serendipitous and coincidental on, on your part and thank God. Sure. Ironically, but so <laughs> um,
0: the second major one among all the dozens of little ones. When I was a senior, the summer before my senior year of high school, I was a pretty good kid, as these things go. But I was also a teenage girl. Sure. So i I picked my rebellion time to be around the end of summer before my senior year and some of uh, my senior year. Okay. I got I stupidly, which I really hope
1: is something that you all do, and I can just sit down with my daughter and say, "Look, I know you're going to rebel. Just tell me when, give me the time of day.
0: Yeah, she's not going to do that.
1: How long is going to last? It's
0: not going to okay. happen. Sorry, that's the whole point. I know. So I decided with a couple of my friends we were going to go steal some stuff from a store. So I got caught shoplifting because oh no, I'm not a thief. <laughs> I mean, literally, I am now because i stole some stuff but i got caught right away pretty much like i just i did everything that you're not supposed to do if you want to get away with stealing stuff and <laughs> i was immediately caught so
1: you're basically like hello i would like to conveniently take this thing
0: yeah pretty much so and not pay for it we went to whatever you know store in the mall we went to and did stupid stuff to get us caught by loss prevention and they let us go of our own recognizance we did technically get arrested Right. But we were I was like I was fifteen and I think my friend my friend that got caught with me was fourteen.
1: Yeah, this is not going on your record ruining your life type shit.
0: (laughs) Not at all. And we were immediately contrite and like earnestly. Uh, Like seriously.
1: I'm so sorry. I'm so so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah,
0: pretty much. What, do um, you remember what it was? I think I took some shoes and a pair of jeans.
1: Oh, oh so this is like – okay. So this is like big – because I've – honestly, I've shoplifted before, but it was trinkets.
0: No, I went into the store barefoot expecting to get some shoes. <laughs> like seriously, it was the stupidest thing. So <laughs> I <laughs> – we managed to get out of loss prevention without calling either of our parents. Because nice. that would have been way worse. Like, getting oh, arrested, terrible. don't been care. Awful. Calling my parents, hell no. So we got out. Yeah, of, take me to jail. Yeah, please. And then don't call my parents to post bail. Yeah. I'll just wait. It's fine. Uh, so they let us go after we gave them the name and number of an adult who could come and get us or something. And so she did. And then we, si- we followed up with community service. Like, we had to do community service. And we just arranged all of that there with the police officer in the store.
1: I had no idea you were a scummy convict.
0: I know, right? And then we left, and nobody called my parents, and I was fine. I was (laughs) never going to do that shit again, and I had 40 hours of community service to figure out how to do without telling my parents. But I was fine, and I had learned my lesson, so it was effective, and then I was going to go on about my life. That was during the summer. School starts, whatever, three weeks a month later. A couple weeks in school go by. Like, everything is fine. I'm We've figured out some way to do community service that my parents wouldn't figure out about. So I'm doing, like, one hour a week of, I don't know, cooking at a soup kitchen or something. I don't even remember at this point. I was in a kitchen somewhere. And one day, about an hour before lunch, I just get this random sense of dread. Oh, no. I'm just like, something is wrong. <laughs> I didn't know what it was, and there was no reason for me to think that. It was right. just a normal school day. Everything was great. Something is wrong. I go to lunch. Five minutes into lunch, one of my friends comes sprinting into the cafeteria. Her face is white, and she's like, your mom is here. Oh, no. I I don't know who told her. Still, I still don't know who told her. She may have even told me, and I just forgot. But someone had told her about an hour beforehand.
1: Oh, no
0: and she came right to school to get me as you do. Yeah. I can't say
1: that I wouldn't. She was
0: she was really mad. Cuz
1: especially when you're a teenager, the best punishment is
0: embarrassment. Yeah. That did not. So like I freaked the hell out, right? But that was like uh, yes. I I got this sense from her that she was coming. Yeah. And there was nothing I could do about that. <laughs>
1: Oh, boy.
0: So, I mean, I had to come clean to my parents, and it was a huge nightmare. But whatever. they I got over it. They got over it. I learned not but to But just the with. fact
1: that you knew.
0: Like, I just I could just feel her stare from across the town or whatever. Yeah. I just knew she was coming. I didn't even know that's what I knew. But fucking, here she comes. Well, I mean, and I think,
1: again, there's a validity to those stories that I do think it's possible for. You know, you hear the twin stories all the time.
0: Yeah, twin studies are amazing.
1: That... You know I do th- again it I think it all comes down to our subconscious and the things that the little signals or the changes in the air or the changes in whatever that our conscious is never quote unquote conscious of that our subconscious has already stockpiled all this information and is basically telling you the circumstances are thus yep, I just wish the subconscious could be more specific right. <laughs> Like, the subconscious is like that friend who just loves to be cryptic before they tell you anything else.
0: Yeah, because your brain's a dick.
1: Yeah. It's going to be a bad day for you. Why? why? why?
0: <laughs> just saying. No.
1: Your subconscious is the president in any disaster movie <laughs> where they're addressing the nation. I and mean, We're through the looking glass here, people. Just tell me what the fuck is going on.
0: The last one is the creepiest and best one okay. for me. It's the one that can't... That just can't be explained. Like, the first one about the hospital, that's just serendipity. That's fine. The second one, yeah, of course, I'm a teenager. I got caught shoplifting. Of course, my mom is going to find out at some point. Sure. And of course, she's going to come to school and beat my ass. Of course. (laughs) This last one, none of that. None of it. So, I attended USC at Spartanburg. Okay. For a while. I was living at home with my parents at the time, but they lived in Mm -hmm. Greenville. And I was commuting up to Spartanburg, which is about a 40-minute drive.
1: Your parents, by the way, lovely people.
0: Oh, they are. And... They had, it was a Friday. My plan was to go to school. Then Heather and I, my friend Heather and I, mm-hmm. were going to go for the weekend to an audition at the Lost Colony. Okay. So we were traveling across two states. <laughs> yes. To the coast to go to audition for a show. We were gone all weekend. Everyone knew that's where we were going. I left Friday morning not to be back until Sunday night. No one expected me. It was fine. No one was going to miss us. It pre-cell phones still For the most part. Like cell phones were a thing, but I didn't have one. So it's Friday afternoon after school. I get Heather. I'm at school. The campus is empty. Okay. I am parked in the way back parking lot. The one that's in the way back that you can't see from the street. And every building on campus is between it and the road. I'm the only car left. Car won't start. Okay. We have to get across two states by the end of the night so that we can be at this audition this weekend. And my car won't start. Neither of us has a cell phone. There is no one on campus. Like, I can't even find security. There's, It's just gone. It's like USC Spartanburg turned into an immediate ghost town. Fucking everybody died and all of their shit disappeared. And we're the only two people left in the world. That's how empty this place was. And it's a college right. campus, so it's really big. So after about... 45 minutes of us looking around trying to find security trying to find anyone else in the parking lot trying to find a building open nothing right we can't get to a phone we can't get to another human being we're just stranded in the back parking lot of usc spartanburg so we're there 45 minutes maybe an hour and i'm finally thinking i'm just gonna have to hike to town or to the road until I can find someone to scarily give me a ride to a, <laughs> to a phone somewhere when I look up as a car drives into the parking lot
1: oh and it
0: is my parents jeep oh i should have been an hour gone at this point there's no reason for them to be here right they were in Asheville or something for the morning antiquing or whatever. They would have had no reason to come to right college campus whatsoever on a a Friday evening.
1: Right, and if you don't know the area, you know Spartanburg is not exactly next door to Asheville. <laughs>
0: no, no, no. Like you kind of, if you're taking the freeway, you pass by it. You pass by it on the freeway. Right. But the college campus isn't on the freeway. You've got to, like, specifically go there. And it's a small—it's a relatively small town. And there was no reason for them not only to stop in Spartanburg, but to come by USC at all. Right. Let alone to the backest back parking lot. But here they come. Like, they're empirically here. They are arriving to pull up next to my vehicle, which hasn't started. right? And they have jumper cables, and they jump me so that we can go to the Lost Colony Audition.
1: So— what was her explanation for that? She
0: said that she specifically diverted Dad off the road to come to the campus because she had a feeling that I was in trouble. Weird. Like, she was adamant that, that they stop. She knew this, and to her, to hear her describe it, it wasn't a feeling. She right. knew that I was there in trouble, and they. Like she just got, got hit on.
1: all of a sudden with, "We have to go take care yes, of our daughter exactly. now." Exactly.
0: That is how that is how she explains it. Is that she's in trouble? We're going to go help her. You need to pull this car over into that parking lot. That's right very now. cool. I mean, hella good for me because they got my car started and I of went course. to the Lost Colony audition. Everything was fine, but also creepy, right? I mean, oh, definitely. Where, why? Why would you think that? That sort of thing, that isn't I got – I fell off my bike and went to the hospital. That isn't a – yeah, of course, you got caught shoplifting and your mom eventually found out. This is a – just totally at random. That shouldn't have happened.
1: Right. And the big question a situation like that leaves me with is if this were, say, a normal case, let's just say that you are in that same situation and then you manage to work your way out of it and nothing bad happens and your mom never gets that feeling. My first question is then what is special about this situation where your mom gets that feeling – And I always, because I'm morbid and I do like horror movies, I always go, what would have happened had you been there for another five minutes? Yeah. Was the potential future danger so great that this weird maternal instinct just kicked in? Because there's so many times where you could have that situation occur and then... Nothing bad will ever happen to you. It's just a major inconvenience. Right. But what if yeah, they hadn't gotten there Eventually, later,
0: Eventually uh, it was going to get big dark. kills
1: you and eats you. I don't know.
0: <laughs> and we're just two young ladies stranded in the middle of nowhere. Right. I mean, the chances of something bad happening are very low. But, do, I mean, come on. Who wants to be stranded in the middle of nowhere with, with no two lovely young ladies? But it also
1: makes me wonder, yeah, like, like, was her feeling to save you so strong because you were in some eminent danger that you didn't even realize?
0: entirely possible or just See, that, that is a my, great
1: ending story though Just that's that my good, personal
0: cause... distress was so great yeah i don't that know could be... i honestly don't know like the fact that she kind of always seems to know when i'm thinking about calling her yeah that's but that's you know whatever people just that's a thing maybe there's just some pattern to my thinking about calling her that i'm not aware of that she's subconsciously picked up on i don't know but this is a whole different level to me right just it's so much more beyond that I I can't explain why that would occur because if I were on the side of the road and they happened to just have taken the road that I was on as opposed to some other road that whatever that's just also serendipity this is so much more specific of intention it's just it's weird it's cool but it's weird well
1: worked out well for you
0: yes yes (laughs) it did. Thankfully. So apparently my mom is my guardian angel.
1: Hey, you know what? She might be. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's a great story to end on. I do have one addition to that, though, speaking about guardian angels. is you know, our friend Hilga, Yeah. Uh, who is very into the supernatural and just a really cool person. Um, we did a Ouija board uh, years ago at the, th- the theater that I was talking about earlier at night. And through the process of that, there was a group of us each taking turns and Helga was sort of leading the Ouija board. And, you know, again, I'm very skeptical about that stuff. You know, right. there's so much evidence, I think, that it's just simply subconscious and, and you know, body reflexes that you're not aware of. Sure. And, whatever they're just fun i've never been truly afraid of them but she did like she is so good at it she started doing all this stuff so immediately and she was not trying to scare us that is she felt something coming into her okay and informed me that i have uh i don't know three four generations ago an aunt who for some reason has an attachment to me and is always over my shoulder okay okay I mean, nothing has ever come of that, but you just talk about guardian angels, and uh, deep in my heart, I love Helga. I don't necessarily believe it. Sure. But what's fun about it is the what if.
0: And I also like the fact that you can always, even if you are you know, skeptical or rationally minded or whatever, you don't even have to entertain the what if as just entertain the concept
1: absolutely you
0: can entertain a concept without believing it like just because you think oh helga's belief that i have a guardian angel ant over my shoulder is not invalidated by me not believing it right but my not believing it is also not invalidated by entertaining although if the there fact is one and i'm that.
1: like no nah, i don't believe in that then you could be like well fuck you then <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but there is such every generation thinks they know as much as they're gonna know And, you know, if we ever stop wondering about what's out there, there were times when just the idea of space in general was supernatural. So to us anyway. So, you know, there's always that. You got to keep your mind open to the possibility. That's sort of the way I live my life. I'm skeptical, but I keep my mind open to the possibility. Because like I said before, it may if you encounter something that's like a ghost, it might not be the spirit of the undead. You might actually be getting a rare glimpse into a universe that's just existing in the same space as you. Sure. And that would be amazing.
0: I mean, science can't prove a negative. so
1: And again, a lot of scientists do honestly believe those things are possible. Yeah. So there's always that element of, I am a man of science, I love the logic of it, but for pure fantasy's sake, I keep at least a part of my mind open for the possibility of other things. Sure. And I just think that makes life more interesting, especially when you've had things happen that you can't quite put your finger on. I'm not going to go out and burn a witch because of it, <laughs> but it's fun to think about.
0: Burning witches?
1: Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> But you know what I mean. And I yeah. think uh, I think that's – it kind of just helps make life a little bit more fun.
0: I agree. I totally agree.
1: So this was awesome. I think this was a great conversation. And I think your story was good to end on because Aww. it ended on a positive as opposed to mine, which could have been the devil. <laughs>
0: oh, God. Yeah, let's do guardian angels instead.
1: <laughs> yeah, although I don't necessarily believe in the devil. But could have been homeless Joe, which would have been much worse. <clears> okay. <throat> So anyway, we hope you have enjoyed this episode. Chris. if they want to contact us or if you have any stories yourself of weird things that have happened to you, you can email us at where?
0: You can email us at lucky10,000 at gmail.com. It's all spelled out, lucky10,000 at gmail.com. Or... Also, just so you
1: know, we are on also Stitcher and iTunes. You can rate us and review us on both of those things, although we both very much love – I nothing against iTunes, but I'm a Stitcher man. So we would and, love a five-star review on Stitcher. And if we get one, we will read it on the air.
0: And in addition to Stitcher, which I do love and vastly prefer to iTunes, we also just got approved for Google Play's podcast service. Oh, nice. Once they actually launch in whatever six weeks or whatever that's going to be, we're already approved for that. So as soon as it hits, all of our podcast episodes will be available on Google Play Music. Sweet. And
1: by the way, you'll have to show me how you did that so I can get the bearded ones on there. Okay. So anyway, thank you so much for listening. Please share this with your friends if you've enjoyed it. I hope you learned something, and I hope you got lucky tonight.
0: Good night, nerds. Thank you for being a part of the Lucky 10,000 with your hosts,
1: Evan and Carissa. Email us at lucky10,000 at gmail.com. Find Lucky 10,000 on Twitter at lucky underscore 10k. And visit our podcast network site at beardedpodsnetwork.com.